0: Kidney Research National Dialogue is an interactive, web-based dialogue created by NIDDK to identify critically important questions, objectives, and research strategies, and to address them. The results will be used to prepare a blueprint for kidney research that clearly articulates future opportunities for the entire research community. In this episode of the ASN Kidney News Podcast, ASN Counselor Ronald Falk speaks with NIDDK about the dialogue what it is, the feedback it has generated, and what it means for the future of kidney research.
1: This is Ron Falk for the American Society of Nephrology, and with me today is Christina Rissigori, who is with the National Institute of Health, and specifically NIDDK. Christina, welcome. Thank you. Today, what we want to talk about is the Kidney Research National Dialogue. Please tell us, what is that?
2: So the Kidney Research National Dialogue is an interactive web-based discussion that we put together at KUH, the Kidney Urologic and Hematology Group, and NINIDDK. And we wanted to have the community address what are the significant problems of kidney disease through identifying basically what are the critical, important questions and objectives in kidney research today.
1: That was a novel way of eliciting this kind of community response. In the past, NIH has gathered individuals in a large conference and asked for ideas. This was much more of an au courant, ongoing electronic dialogue. What surprised you about the feedback?
2: A couple of things. First, one thing that we were really surprised about Was that the depth of the input to the Kidney Research National Dialogue, and that also that the comments are collegial? Actually, we were, since the site is open to everyone, we were really worried about somebody putting posts on the sites that were inappropriate, and we didn't get any of that. And we we actually tested how quickly we could see these things on the sites and take them down and um during our beta testing and we did we monitor it throughout the um phase one and we really didn't see that. The other thing that we um were really excited about was that we got good distribution not only in the United States but actually in every continent except for Antarctica across the world. So this global attention was very exciting to us.
1: It also had a really interesting voting process, a process where you could add a certain number of what you folks call chips. Explain that one.
2: So think of a poker game. Everyone was allotted 20 chips, and they could put them anywhere they wanted, and they could actually move them during the dialogue. If they saw something a month later that they liked better, they can move them around, but they were given only 20 chips that they could distribute any way they wanted. This was a a part of the dialogue, but it was anonymous. And we looked at the voting as a way to prioritize the post.
1: Did it work? Did it Uh, discriminate one idea from another, in other words?
2: I think some ideas rose to the top, for sure, because that's the idea behind doing this kind of voting, is that good ideas would rise
1: to the top. The site is still open, is it not?
2: Yes, it is open. The Phase 1 is actually open. We are uh, looking at the content from the start of Phase 1, so November 2010 to April 2010, right now. But the site is still open for comment, and we are now beta testing a Phase 2.
1: One of the other things that is interesting about this website and the whole voting process is that it was, as you point out, open to a, a large number of different kinds of subscribers. In other words, you point out that it was geographically dispersed, but it was also very much potentially dispersed as a consequence of the site being open to clinicians and researchers and patients. Have you figured out who responded the most to those different types of people?
2: Yes, one thing that's really great about this website is that we had a lot of data tracking in place so we could do a lot of data analysis. And so as of the beginning of April, we had 248 participants that either left an idea or a comment. Out of all those participants, about 80% of them did research and about 65% of them saw patients. And the other thing that was really interesting was that There was a good distribution between people that we considered senior researchers or clinicians that have over 20 years' experience, the mid-level people of 10 years of experience to 20 years of experience, and junior people with about 10 years or less experience. And we had about 2% of people that identified themselves as lay people.
1: One of the other parts of the Kidney Research National Dialogue pertained to training, All of us are worried that fewer graduates are going into careers as physician scientists or, quite frankly, as nephrologists. U.S. medical graduates are selecting nephrology much less frequently than they used to in the past. What did you learn from the Kidney Research National Dialogue on how the NIDDK, other parts of the federal government, the American Society of Nephrology, how can we all work together to entice the best and the brightest, first into the kidney space and, secondly, into careers as physician scientists?
2: Well, in KRND, we specifically put in a training section because this is on all of our discussions at NIDDK and also at ASN. And not surprising, the training posts actually evoked the most discussion on the dialogue, and one of the posts was uh, recruiting the next generation of nephrologists, and this actually received the most comment. There was also a post in the training sec- section that I really liked because I thought it was so eloquent is, um, where is Homer Smith when you need him? And the gist of that post was that the current leaders in nephrology really need to restore the enthusiasm for nephrology in their local institutions and, and work with the national organizations, the ASN and, and um, NSF and NIH, to provide more training opportunities. And some of the other posts really expressed the um, importance of exposure to kidney research opportunities, and early in the training of physician scientists and how to develop new models for training and mentoring. And certainly at NIDDK, you know, we have a lot of mechanisms already in place um, for supporting training activities, even from starting with high school. Throughout their mid-career development, and we put together a workshop each year for K awardees and new investigators to really keep on getting their interest in becoming a physician scientist.
1: One of the other programs that NIH has is the Loan Repayment Program, which I think has really saved a lot of physician scientists and kept them in academia. That's a wonderful program that, that really has enticed individuals who are fundamentally interested in research to stay.
2: And I, I think when people get that funding, they become more committed to, to continuing on. They're, it's part of becoming what we call the NIDDK family, our science family, of trying to get people on board and supporting them and moving them through their initial funding in training grants or institutional training grants into uh, guiding them to get in our R01, and I'm a program director involved with the training grants, and uh, I can see how important this piece is to moving people towards their independent careers.
1: Right, they go from their training grant to becoming a member of a faculty. They have tons of loans that they have to repay. They are enticed to stay in academia as a consequence of that loan repayment program, and then. Uh, hopefully can get either a local K or a individual K award and eventually an R01, but that all going to depend on whether the federal government has enough money to support all these wonderful activities. Given the current budget constraints at the federal level, do you anticipate that NIH in general, and NIDDK in particular, will fund more investigator-initiated research, or do you think that the NIDDK and NIH are going to fund more big science, such as the CPAs or um, bigger trials?
2: What came out of the Kidney Research International Dialogues about uh, big versus small science wasn't that the question should not be either or, but the better question is, to address how can you analyze these mountains, mountains of data that are clinically in clinically relevant ways, as well as um, how to efficiently integrate big and small science. And um, certainly at uh, um, NIDDK, we fund both. About 80% of the grants that we fund are are R01 grants that are investor-initiated grants. And about 25 percent of them are what we consider bigger bigger type of grants.
1: Look down the next few years uh, with me at where you think this whole process is going. You're about to have phase two that's going to look like a virtual breakout session. What are the next steps after that? What can the research community uh, look forward to?
2: We're really interested in continuing on using social networking uh, type of technology. Some institutes have their own Facebook. We've been talking about how we can use this to support different programs that we work with in, at KUH, such as having a dialogue or a networking site for training or for communities that don't really have a lot of interaction that they can have. find themselves a, um, basically an electronic home. So, um, after after we complete Phase 2, the Phase 3 is, is going to be preparing the strategic plan. So, that's basically our 10-year plan for kidney research and we'll be able to develop RSAs and a big part of that is developing meetings to discuss things further so we're always looking for the next thing and hopefully some of the critical questions and objectives that come out of the kidney research national dialogue spin off and we will have um initiatives and foas based on those concepts
1: i think that uh, you folks at kuh and niddk must be really pleased with the output of this uh, national dialogue done in a, a social networking, internet-based approach and look forward to seeing the next steps of the NIDDK strategic plan. Thanks so much for spending time with us to explain this uh, wonderful new idea to us. Thanks so much. This is Ron Falk for the American Society of Nephrology.
0: This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology, all rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. The information in this podcast should not be used during a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology.